Good evening. Goodbye Forever, Volume 2 by Nat Chang Rinpoche. Chapter 11, Part 1. Sergeant Pepper. Strangely enough, people came out to wave us goodbye. There'd been a deal of discussion concerning the Hell's Angel motorcycle that had stood dormant on the grounds of Sammy Ling. Jan had told me about it. Why would a Buddhist be riding a Hell's Angel motorcycle? Some people had wondered. Is he an ex-Hell's Angel or what? Jan had explained to them that I had no connection with the Hell's Angels. Jan said, Hell's Angels aren't the only ones who like to ride choppers. There's no law to say what a Buddhist should ride, is there? She'd shaken her head in disbelief when she told me. Some people are so trammelled in their thinking. I'm sure if you'd come here on a racing bike, they'd have thought you were in training for the Tour de France. That made me smile. Yes, that seems to be the way people work. They tend to perceive in pigeonholes, you know. You know, this looks like that, so it must be one of those. It was like that at school. If you were one of the clan who liked blues, you weren't supposed to like the Beatles. The girls liked Motown and the Beatles. The boys liked blues and rock music. It was almost as if I'd broken the rules of the club and was in danger of being expelled. Yes, Jan sighed. I've heard them called Pashus, which I think means sheep mentality. They think in strict categories and it makes them uncomfortable if anyone crosses those categories. I had a wealth of excellent conversations at Samiling, but now it lay somewhere behind us. I'd found a fairly simple means of lashing our two roll bags together. Kate also had a US Army rocket bag. They were standard hippie issue at the time. They were sometimes decorated or embroidered, but mine was plain and dyed dark blue. I had a Parker coat too. That was dyed peacock blue. I'd had to bleach it before dyeing it. I never enjoyed khaki. The thing I liked most about the rocket bag was the huge brass prestered closure which I kept polished. And there we were heading south to Liverpool. I'd never been to Liverpool and asked Kate if we could make a pilgrimage to the cavern, the place where the Beatles used to play. She told me there was nothing there to see. I'd be disappointed. We passed Carlisle and I flashed back to my notion of the inadvisability of calling in on Emily. It seemed I'd launched into a sequence of inadvisabilities in spite of my caution. A sign for Blackburn appeared and I asked, are there really 2,000 holes in Blackburn, Lancashire? If your name is Sergeant Pepper, there are. I liked the way that Kate was always quick with repartee. Well, it was 20 years ago today. I read the news today, oh boy, 
2,000 holes in Blackburn, Lancashire. And though the holes are rather small, they had to count them all. Now they know how many holes it takes to fill the Albert Hall. We passed Preston and Wigan and Kate said, here's the town for your wig and address. I was surprised she'd remembered my joke. Then, almost unexpectedly, we arrived. Kate lived with Amy and Atlas in a three-storey Victorian warehouse in Wood Street. The ground floor was still a warehouse of some sort and there was an entrance beside the main entrance that led up a flight of wooden stairs to their two-storey flat. The upper floors had obviously been part of the warehouse at one time too and the rooms were all quite large. The top floor was divided into three bedrooms, the third of which was a guest room come storage room. Amy and Atlas were still out at work when we arrived. Amy worked as an assistant curator in the Liverpool Museum and Atlas was a PE teacher at one of the local schools. I wondered what age this would make them. Older than me, I supposed. People who'd entered the regular working world were in another category and one with which I was not familiar. I wondered how it would be with them. I'd been expecting that they'd be students sharing a house as I was, but no, they were beings from the workaday world. That was somehow mysterious to me. Amy was Amy Pilgrogachan, pronounced Pilgroon, and Atlas was Atlee Lascelles. Atlee Lascelles could, by some mathematical formula which made no sense to me at all, be recalculated as Atlas. Each letter apparently had its number in the alphabet and if you made them into an equation where Atlee equals Lascelles or some such thing, the end result was Atlas. Kate explained in great detail, but I had no idea what she was talking about. Did I mention that I was not allowed to take O-level maths on the basis that it would have been a waste of the school's money? I don't know equations from equestrianism and antiquarian aquatics. I'll get Atlas to explain. He's better at that kind of thing than I am. Thank you, Kate, but I don't think I'd want to punish Atlas with my numerical illiteracy. It sounds highly ingenious, I grinned. And, you know, it also works if you take the first syllable of each name. At, ni, las, cells. At, las. That's how my name works. It's actually chu ying gyam so. Chu gyam. What does that mean then? asked Kate. Chuying is Dharmadhatu in Sanskrit and means spatial dimension. Gyamtso means ocean. So Chugyam means ocean of space or 
oceanic spaciousness. Ah, right, you said something about that at Sami Ling, but I think I was drifting off to sleep and didn't quite catch what you said. That's an interesting name. Amy will like that. She likes spiritual names. She says her name is like Amen, let the will of God be. Now, this God business bugged me, but I realised that I had no right to be bolshy about it. Chacun a son goût. It wasn't my business to express my subjective opinions like some verbally incontinent cretin. Kate set about telling me about Amy and Atlas. They were both unusual people, Amy more so than Atlas. They were somehow free of all normal societal constraints, like some sort of witch and warlock of way out wonderfulness, but without the usual eye of toad and tongue of mute connotations. They're real hippies, as hippies should have been if everything had been different. All right, I said, wondering quite how that worked with an assistant museum curator and a school teacher. I enjoy meeting people and I like it when people are not wallowing in pedestrianism. Then you'll be glad to have met them. We've been friends since I was 16. Amy and Atlas don't have the usual kind of relationship. They have an open relationship, but they've never really found anyone else to... Kate found herself lost for words, so I volunteered to participate. Something like that. I'm a little old-fashioned in that way. Not that I'm moralistic about it, but I'm monogamous and... You have a girlfriend? Yes, in Bristol. I think I mentioned that. Maybe. I forget. Things went by so fast up there. What's her name? Claudette Gascoigne, but friends call her Debt. She sounds as if she's one of these people whose family can be traced back to Norman aristocracy. Yes, she may be, but Debt's never said anything about that. And you've never inquired? No, it never seemed a vital subject. Everyone's family goes back to somewhere or other. I'm not asking too many questions, am I? Not yet, no, but it's not something I'm used to. I mean, telling someone about debt when they've never met her. I suppose not. What about you then? Do you have any interesting ancestry? My only claim to fame is on my mother's side. Her mother was Clara Schubert. She was the niece of Franz Schubert, so... I'm his great-grandnephew. Ah, that's where the music comes from then, does... But then there were footsteps on the stairs and the approach of Amy and Atlas interrupted our conversation. They smiled broadly at me as they walked in and Atlas, in a big brawny voice, said, Well there, who are you then? I'm someone you haven't met yet, I replied with a broad smile, responding to the style of his question. Then I regretted it in case I'd come across as hostile. I hastily rephrased myself. 
I'm Vic, I meant to say. No, the first thing was good. If everyone just spoke expectedly, it would be a drag. I see, we think alike. I doubt it, he replied and burst out laughing. This is Atlas and that's Amy. I met Vic or Chugyam up at Samiling. I thought you'd all like to meet each other. Really, Amy responded with a huge smile. Chugyam, that's a Tibetan name, isn't it? Yes. Then there had to be a whole story about everything I'd explained at Samiling. Why do you want to belong to a religion? Atlas asked. We're spiritual seekers, so we're very interested in all religions. But why tie yourself down to a religion when there's so much to be found by looking at everything? I sat in silence for a moment. Atlas looked at a little ill at ease in respect of my silence, but that was not my aim, so I began to respond. Well, it wasn't a choice. I just fell in love. Amy nodded as if she understood, but Atlas wore a frown of consternation, so I continued. Put it this way, I didn't choose blues either, but blues is like a religion to me. I fell in love with blues when I was eight, and I'm still in love with blues. So, as you see, I simply do what I love to do. There's not much more to say than that. You believe Tibetan Buddhism has the truth? Amy asked in a mild, dreamy kind of way. Hmm, I've never thought about it in those terms. Truth isn't a word that I use apart from the ordinary sense of truth and lie. I looked it up once. Truth comes from the Saxon word triuf and used to mean faithfulness, loyalty, veracity or being solid and steadfast. By the mid-14th century, it meant accuracy or correctness. Atlas had adopted an expression that resembled something one might find at the fishmongers. What's that got to do with anything? The history of language? I smiled. I'm sorry, I thought you might find it interesting. We do, smiled Amy. Knowledge is valuable. Atlas looked slightly irked, so I continued hoping to ameliorate the tense atmosphere I'd created by being unnecessarily erudite. The word that equates to truth for me would probably be reality. I don't think any religion owns that or could ever own that exclusively. Amy smiled a vague, attenuated smile that could have betokened anything. Yes, no system can own the truth. You have to seek the truth in everything. Yes, I think I could say that I seek reality in every aspect of the phenomenal world. But truth is spiritual, not material, Atlas countered with an expression that betrayed his being accustomed to being authoritative. Well, in terms of truth, maybe, I don't know. I wouldn't know what to say about that. You see, I'm not looking for truth. Truth is, according to my understanding, more 
connected with the Judeo-Christian worldview. That's just semantics though, isn't it? countered Atlas. Truth and reality, what's the difference? Well, I don't see spiritual and material as polarised. Again, that's just semantics, retorted Atlas. Reality and spirituality, what's the difference? The difference lies in the connotations and implications of the words. Perhaps, I continued in another vain attempt to ameliorate, it's due to my writing poetry that makes me feel that semantics are not just semantics. Language is art to me and so the differences between words is artistic as well as logical. But we all know what we mean so we can ignore the connotations and implications. Yes, we could do that, but I choose not to ignore them. I'm not saying that you shouldn't ignore them, that's your choice. My choice isn't right or wrong, it's just my choice. So you're saying it's all arbitrary and you're a nihilist? No, I enunciated with slow deliberation, it's not all arbitrary. I'm simply saying that we are both free to have our own opinions without right or wrong being involved. As to nihilism, that is one of the four denials in terms of Buddhism and so I do not subscribe to that view. I don't know what these four denials are but we all know what nihilism means and you sound nihilistic. Well. Yes, I imagine that is how it might seem. From a theistic point of view, an atheist might seem nihilistic. As to knowing what we mean, I can't say that I could concur with that as a fundamental premise. And that still leaves the question of spiritual and material not being polarised from my point of view. My speech always became somewhat academic when I was put on the spot in this kind of way. As I said, the poetry of language is central to the way I see things. Poetry is important, offered Amy. I see poetry as truth. Yes, I can go along with that, I almost whooped with glee, turning to Amy to distance myself from the offensive atlas. That makes entire sense to me. It has a veracity that lies outside the ordinary structure of communication. I was hedging my bets whilst wishing to acknowledge Amy's conciliatory comment. So you can see that truth and reality are the same, Atlas stated matter-of-factly. Reality, as I experience it, I responded slightly wearily, is more akin to geography and meteorology. The Northern Lights, for example, or with the way caves in limestone, esca limestone escarpments give rise to the stalagmites and stalactites in caves. But that's just science. Truth is knowing God. Atlas announced. The God word. What was I to say now? 
This Atlas fellow was really quite some ape. I was wondering if it wasn't time to pack my bags and leave. I imagine, I replied with extended languor, that that is one way to describe it for those for whom God is a concept. I'd become slightly exasperated with Atlas at this point and decided to be humorous. I tend to take a Liverpudlian line on this. Atlas looked confused, so I continued. As John Lennon said, God is a concept by which we measure our pain. John Lennon's first solo album, Kate added, we've always loved the Beatles. Atlas looked highly irked by the discussion having been spun in another direction and commenced, ah, but, but I chimed in before he could continue. As an atheist, the word God does not translate. I'm not saying I take issue with your way of seeing or with monotheism. I'm sure the formulation is fine for you. I'm just trying to answer the question Amy asked. I turned to Amy at that point and said, you asked me whether I believed Buddhism had the truth. Amy nodded, so I continued, which is why I made the distinction between truth and reality. I don't see Buddhism as owning truth, because Buddhism isn't a religion of truth. It's a religion of method, and its methods are ways of discovering the nature of reality. But... Atlas began again, but I broke in on him again. I'd settled on the fact that he was a cosmic gorilla. Amy, whatever she thought, was courteous. I could respect that. But Atlas needed keeping in a cage somewhere. Atlas, I think I'd really prefer not to have to defend myself quite so much. I'm not out to prove I'm right and you're wrong. I'm not a proselytizer. I'm not an evangelist. And I'm not a philosophical debater with a point to prove. So there's no need to think I'm trying to get one over on you. But you're taking a contrary stance. No, I smiled wearily. Although saying no at this point is obviously a contrary stance. All I've done is answered your questions. You decided to challenge me. I did not set out to challenge you. This discussion only came up because you questioned why I'd want to tie myself down to a religion. I didn't set out to challenge your position. It was you who challenged mine. You don't like open discussion then? Atlas asked. I do, if it's open-ended, but I don't enjoy the kind of discussion where I find myself in an artificially embattled position. So, if you don't mind, I'd rather not justify myself all evening. I'll talk, by all means, but I do not wish to argue. I'm not attacking your point of view, and I have no desire to defend mine. Yes, 
said Amy. Argument isn't what we want. It's not good to argue. Thank you. I agree with you entirely, I said, ignoring Atlas. So tell me about your approach. I'd like to hear about your approach. I don't really put things into words, said Amy, but I like to do whatever takes me to the truth. So can you give me an idea of what that looks like? It looks like whatever it is at the time. I meditate and that is all I need. But I don't believe in meditation that accords to any system because the system just makes a prison and then you only find what the system sets you up to find. That's a wise observation, I pondered. I think that is one problem with following systems blindly. I have seen that, so I know what you're saying. I thought momentarily of concluding my reply by saying, that's the problem of seeing method as truth, but decided that would be an aggressive statement in view of their view of truth. Are you free then, Amy asked, in terms of that problem of following a system? I can't answer that immediately, I replied. You'll have to let me dwell on that. We sat in silence for about a minute before I continued. As far as I can see, the problems are addressed by the methods themselves. And as far as I've taken the methods, they've opened up my ability to see more directly. The direction of the methods is towards structurelessness, so that would be more like breaking down the walls of the prison. Yes, I can see that, murmured Amy. We all look for God in our own ways. I had no idea what to say to that without treating her in exactly the way in which I'd objected to being treated. Exactly, I replied. I always feel that people have to find what suits them best. And that was the best I could manage in terms of giving a response that was not a direct challenge. You're not critical of that, Amy asked in a reasonably inoffensive way. I'd have thought you'd see problems with that. No, I replied slowly and deliberately. I prefer to live and let live. I don't look for problems in other people's approaches unless their approaches affect me in some way that I find irksome or offensive. But aren't you being offensive quoting John Lennon about God? Atlas blurted. I don't think it would serve any purpose if I answered your question as you've asked it, Atlas. I was actually just trying to lighten the atmosphere a bit, and I'm sorry that it was offensive. It wasn't my intention. But I think that discussing entirely different or diametrically opposite points of view is unnecessary. I mean, I may be entirely wrong and you may be entirely right. 
but I'd rather be wrong than embrace ideas that don't move me. I think we could look at it as being like music. I prefer blues to rock and roll. I prefer Bach to Mozart. I... You'd be satisfied with being wrong, Atlas interrupted. Yes, as Amy said earlier, argument isn't what we want. It's not good to argue. And that is my preference. That's an easy way out, Atlas snapped. Atlas, do you mind terribly if we dropped this subject? I've just arrived here and I really don't feel welcome. I know you didn't invite me, but Kate did and she lives here too. But if you would rather I left, I'll leave. Kate interrupted us at that point. I invited Chergyam, he's my guest. Thank you, Kate, but if Atlas would prefer me to leave, I'll leave. I can pack up and ride on out with no hard feelings. Just let me know. I don't want to impose on anyone or anything, anywhere. No need to get angry, it's just a discussion. Atlas interjected with some degree of nervousness. Atlas had the air of one who expected physical assault, as if I might take a swing at him. His anxious expression struck me as out of character for a PE teacher, as I would have imagined such a person to have a sense of physical confidence when it came to a bar brawl or any such thing. Atlas, I sighed with a wan smile, do I look angry. And before there was time for an answer, I continued, I'm not raising my voice, am I? I'm just trying to make what I feel to be a reasonable request. I know my views may be entirely alien to you, but I have no desire to push them on you. I have no desire to prove you wrong and prove myself right. All I want is not to argue about religion. Yes, you're right, Chergyam, said Amy. Argument isn't what we want. It's not good to argue, especially about spiritual things. Thank you, Amy. Splendid. Exactly, just my point of view. So let's just leave it there and talk about music or almost anything else you enjoy. Atlas rose suddenly and disappeared into his bedroom in an evident huff. Amy excused herself, smiled at me and followed Atlas. We need to change out of our working clothes. I smiled and nodded in answer and she joined Atlas in his bedroom. Kate, I inquired when they'd left, I don't mean to be critical but you kind of left me on my own there. I wanted you to get to know each other, so I thought it best not to interfere. Do you think we got to know each other? Yes, you know each other's ideas now. Do we? I sighed in slightly puzzled disbelief. I don't think they have a clue where I'm coming from, and all I know of them is what I could glean from Atlas's aggressive oppositional stance. I'm really 
not quite certain what I'm doing here. 